Welcome back. This is the 31st episode of AIR, an interview podcast series with a different theme each episode. Today's is an important episode and one that I've been interested in tackling for a while. Joining me for a talk about mental health and the music industry is producer and vocalist Seven Davis Jr. Although he's long been involved in music and got his start ghostwriting for hip-hop acts, Samuel Davis, or Sev as he's known to friends, exploded onto the scene with his art and sound compilation contribution, Come and Go, eventually becoming a household name with his critically acclaimed 2015 release, Universes. But behind the scenes, Sev struggled with his meteoric rise to fame and life of touring and gigs. Having suffered from depression for most of his life, his music career and his social connections often paid the price, and for a few years, he was quietly working on bettering himself. Now, with a new outlook and a new album on the horizon, Sev and I sat down to talk about depression and creativity, the often overlooked anxiety of the touring artist, and the future of mental health in the music scene. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. I'm really looking forward to speaking with you about this topic, something that's really important to me. So thank you very much for your time. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for the invite. So I'm going to start with a bit of a normal question that usually I wouldn't include in the final cut of the interview, but I feel that it's actually got a lot to do with what we're going to talk about today. So I would like to know, how are you? I'm actually doing really good. I've reached a point in my life where I'm feeling like better than I did in my 20s, like ever. Any particular reason? I feel like in my early teens and in my 20s, of course, you're you're strong then and you're youthful and whatever. Um, but you don't know so much, you know, and I feel like now I've learned so much. So I have so many answers to things I didn't have when I was younger. You know, I'm a, I'm a grown man. So it feels good. I think it's one of those, how are you, what is one of those questions that seems quite mundane and something that we maybe took for granted a bit before the pandemic uh, and this sort of never-ending lockdown that we're in. So I'm trying my best to kind of check in with people more these days. uh, And I feel like I really appreciate being checked in on myself. So how has this time been for you? Uh, I've been asking this a lot of my interviewees, but I wonder if you've been feeling maybe like more inspired creatively during this lockdown or like what what has lockdown been like for you? Wait a minute. Now I don't want to be a jerk. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good. Um, it has been an interesting couple of days. I've been. I was feeling really anxious today. Um, not because of the interview, just for no reason, I guess. Uh, and I think that's been happening to me a lot more often in lockdown. Just feeling like super anxious for no reason. But I'm okay now uh, and glad to be glad to be talking. So yeah, tell me about your your lockdown experience. So I did this interview where I said. 
just speaking freely that I feel like I've been in lockdown since 2016 because that's when I went away to take care of my depression and anxiety and I really self-isolated. And then when the whole worldwide lockdown happened, I had kind of already been in it for four years. I actually ended up getting COVID early on. It was about a week or two before the lockdown happened. That's when I got over it. I got tested later and found out that I had the antibodies. After I got over that, I was like, yeah, let's go. And then lockdown happened. I know it's hit a lot of people hard. They're having a hard time adjusting to the loneliness, I guess, or whatever it is they feel. Let me just also say that I'm an introvert, so like isolation is kind of my thing. But uh, my experience with the actual lockdown that we're all sharing together has been actually positive. I definitely sympathize with people that are having a hard time with it. Especially like, you know, my friends that are super extroverts. Like I'd never seen my extrovert friends uh, feeling down because they can't go. I didn't understand it. You can't go out of your house. Like, hello, this is good. And it forced me to, yeah, to see people differently that I probably would have never saw differently. How's your lockdown? Oh, God, boring, very boring. I mean, <laughs> I'm an introverted person too. So at the beginning of lockdown, I was kind of like, yay, <laughs> staying home all the time. I love it. Working from home is great. But actually, as it's kind of dragged on, I've found that it's quite difficult for me to work from home. Just kind of seeing the same four walls all the time. Uh, it's hard for me personally to find motivation. Like I find I have a lot of ideas, but not a lot of motivation to actually execute those ideas. Um, so how are you? How are you handling that? Is it kind of just a normal thing for you to be at home and work on things? And like you said, this isn't really that much of a change for you. You know, I may not be the best looking person. I may not be the most personable person, but I am grateful that I am able to find inspiration and motivation just in everyday life, you know. I don't get that that locked in feeling. You've mentioned that you're in a in a positive place right now, but usually does your creativity have to come from a positive place in order to do your best work or can you also work from like turmoil or even boredom? Anything. Uh, negative, boredom, positive, you know, obviously we'd like things to come from positivity all the time, but you know, we don't live in the in Disney world. And I draw a lot of positive things from negativity. Not that I want it or welcome it, but it, it's a part of life. And I learn a lot from it, whether it be about myself or whatever the situation is. So it's really all that I've ever had is to be able to create, you know, I'm charming sometimes not a traditional person so my one thing that I've always been able to be like yeah this is what I can do is be creative mm -hmm. and so when you say that you're um, drawing positives from negatives what do you mean by that or in what way exactly it's something I've been doing my whole life but unknowingly I just kind of realize now that it's it's something that I've I do obviously negative situations or negativity thrown at you it sucks right? It, it feels like a, a stab to the heart, punch the stomach, all those things. But somewhere in that pain, I'm able to find, I'm able to extract something from that pain that helps me push forward. I had an all right early childhood, but I, for the most part, I had a very, very rough upbringing. 
And for a while it was embarrassing or I didn't, you know, I was kind of like, why, why, why? But now that I'm, I've lived and, and learned, I'm actually grateful for those years because it's helped me become tough and to be able to like take the punches enough to where I can find uh, the silver lining in the situation, whether it be like, okay, these people suck, but you don't, these people are horrible, but at least you know that you would never behave that way or, or vice versa, or you, you didn't handle that situation correctly and you were the negative person. And, you know, I don't like the way that feels, so I'm going to extract how I would have liked to have handled that better moving forward and just pulling out of it what you can. So there's an interview with a painter called York Basilis who says that art must only come from a feeling of misery or a sort of dark view of the world, uh, never from anything positive. So I'm wondering what are your thoughts on that? Like, I think there's this image of like the, you know, dark artist who's really depressed and creates out of all this turmoil. Um, what what are your thoughts on that? I'm in two minds about it. Um, you saying that kind of like makes me think about my own personal taste. Like I don't relate to a lot of mainstream music and I'm trying to be careful how I say this stuff. I don't relate to a lot of mainstream music because I don't feel like there's anything, any substance behind it. Okay, you got a lot of money, you got a lot of friends, you got the nice cars, you got a six-pack bro, you got, you're, you're good looking, like, okay, cool, all right, what am I supposed to do with that? I'm not the kind of person that wants to hear doom and gloom all the time, but I'm just like, life isn't all roses. So I think, in my opinion, artists really need to have gone through something in order to like produce something of depth but then I don't want to be fair to people that are maybe are like well it's not my fault that I've had a good life and I've had a uh, great it's not your fault that you've had a good life but people that have never really had any kind of challenge or had nothing ever go wrong and just everything is peachy keen I feel like they kind of don't live in reality and it's not their fault it's just you don't the world hasn't uh, for some reason hasn't showed itself to you. So anyways, to answer your question, I think it's a little bit of both. But um, I find the most honest art comes from people who have gone through something. That's interesting. I wasn't really thinking about the honesty or the authenticity sort of side of it. But I definitely agree with you that especially in terms of like a performance situation, that the best the best performances for me come from a place that's very raw and very visceral. And I think that definitely stems from this kind of, I don't know, maybe not a dark past, but uh, some some kind of issues or problems that you've been through and had to kind of come out the other side of. I know that you, like a lot of people, have suffered from depression for most of your life. Can you talk a bit about how that impacts your creativity? Where it became an issue, maybe it was an issue all along, right? Maybe looking back, maybe I didn't take some opportunities because my depression was telling me, like, you're a piece of shit. Um, or maybe I wasn't, uh, because I was depressed and traumatized and had anxiety, when I did meet, because the thing about me, I kind of met everyone that I ever wanted to meet in the beginning when I was, like, a, a depressed mess. So I think back to, like, if I wasn't depressed when I met these people, 
we would have worked together, maybe uh, they would have seen my charm. But then, like I said, I'm usually in two minds these days. The other side is like, that wasn't your path. That Who knows what you would have went on to do then. Maybe it would not be authentic and it would be over and done with by now. So I don't regret it at all, but where it did kind of interfere looking back is when I debuted in 2012, um, and I guess everyone kind of got to know me as an artist. Before then, I was I had started pursuing therapy, and when the the music thing happened, it happened so fast, and I was like, I'll, I'll get back to that. I'll put that on the, the burner. I'll come back to that. And around that time, I was trying to, like, take a break from partying and being sober, and I almost overnight, I'm in different countries partying. And so looking back, sorry, it's... I haven't really spoken about this, but I'm trying to find the correct words. Looking back, the depression, I think, kind of interfered during that period. I obviously did well, but like behind the scenes. One of the first things I, that happened was Puma did this kind of mini documentary about me. I, I was grateful for it. And the whole time, though, in between takes, I was having anxiety attacks. I was freaking out. The camera people were looking at me like I was some freak. My poor manager at the time, he didn't even, it just caught him, it caught me off guard because I was just like, I'm freaking, can I curse? Yep. Because I might be cursing. <laughs> yes, you can. Um, and I was in Berlin, funny enough, and I remember I took a walk, and I think it was right by where Watergate is, but I didn't know that at the time, and it was in between a take, and I went and I freaked the fuck out, and I was like, what is wrong with me? And I, And it was like because I was talking about things I'd never really talked about before in that documentary. That was a moment where the depression popped up. I'd never freaked out like that before. The music industry, it's not filled with the, the, the nicest people sometimes. The thing about my depression is there was a lot of, you know, physical violent abuse. So when my depression is triggered, I go into defense mode. So I would find myself like in situations, whether it be on tour, dealing with a jerk sound guy or someone I hired or a situation where it gets a little tense would automatically turn into like a fight. My fight mode would be activated and it would just be aggressive because I'd feel like I'm defending my life right now. I'd be taken back to whatever moment that it reminded me of. For example, I had to fire a couple people, as we all do in in business, like, and they deserved it. But looking back, I could have been kinder about it. Maybe we could have talked about it. I think like if I wasn't depressed, knowing now how I am without being depressed, I definitely would have had a kinder approach to it. Maybe we'd be able to talk it out. Maybe we'd be able to work it out. But at the moment, they triggered me and my depression was like, this is a survival mode situation get rid of the threat i know what you mean i also suffer from anxiety and i feel like in the past there's been situations where i just react in order to protect myself and often that reaction is not so nice for other people um and so for me like looking back on it now i can say that i was in the wrong even though at the time it was what was right for me to do in order to feel better. Yeah, it is, that's exactly what it was. I just felt like I need to protect myself. I'd never left the United States of America. 
I was forced into an extrovert situation. It was all just coming down at once. First of all, everyone that I've ever worked with or hired, I absolutely adored them. I missed them. I'm making it sound like everyone I worked with went bad, but that's not the case. And the few people that I did have to let go, it was heartbreaking, but because of my depression, that part didn't show. The the part they probably all these only saw was me being like, fuck you, blah, 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 you know. I had to I had to go through it to like even learn that about myself. And now that I've like gotten treatment and I'm doing really well, I've learned like, man, I'm actually like a really patient, gentle person. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I do have the other side, but I had to learn that about myself as an artist and a business person. And so what about in terms of uh, like a creative process? Uh, obviously, there are days when this disease probably prevents you from, you know, being creative or working or exploring. But I wonder if it's, as you said earlier, a bit of fuel for you when it eventually subsides. Like, do you find yourself inspired or sort of energized by the dark moments that you're experiencing? What my depression will stop me from um doing things in like everyday life it'll stop me from talking to people it'll make me not want to go outside for a week it'll stop me from participating in society but it won't stop me from like creating most of the times music has been the thing that um soothes those moments in the past when i've been super depressed i've recorded and it's helped me take my mind off the depression so as an artist, that works out for me. So is it difficult for you to listen back to the works that were inspired by or about your times of struggle? Uh, for example, your song No Worries dealt with your past addiction. Uh, what is it like for you to listen to that song now? Like I recently just got this clarity, I want to say maybe this year, last year. But before that, it was hard for me to even listen to the universe's album. Uh, it just reminded me of the the time that I was in it wasn't horrible but it's like you know I was signed to Ninja Tune I was touring the world I had ridiculous amounts of money I had all these people around me I knew that I had some unresolved things that I needed to take care of I felt actually lonely and I'm not a person that feels lonely and I would say during that period when I was surrounded by all these people where mag magazines and everybody were like you know, and I was this signed artist. That was the loneliest I've ever felt. I felt like that was the first time I ever felt loneliness because uh, touring. You know, you you travel all the way to this uh, other other country, and sometimes it goes good, sometimes it doesn't, and you're just kind of like I don't know. I just felt really alone. The the universe's album was it was a tricky album for me. Not only because like on that album I I did stuff that I never really done. I was kind of experimenting. I was trying to like blend uh, American influences with the UK influences that I was the European influences because I was living in London. And for a while I was like I'm not listening to that album. <laughs> and I might have even said I don't like that album. But now I listen to it and it's just like, I'm proud of you, uh, you know, person of color with depression, packing up, going to London, traveling Europe, working with a record label, putting an album out, uh, and then also daring to not just conform. I'm going to put out an all house music album because that'll get me more bookings and that'll blah, 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 yada, yada. That's why I'm so happy now because I, I realize I'm like, man, I did all that on like 50% battery now I'm at like 100% battery and there's so much I can do I don't have to like now I know myself better 
after that album in 2016, when I went away to like get treatment, I also went away to like address all the things that were giving me trauma and all the all the abusers that I had in my life. I tried to reach out to them. Some of them, you know, it was not positive, but a lot of them were positive and I was able to get closure on a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. So that just freed so much space on my, I guess, hard drive, if you will. And now when I listen to the Universe's album, I'm not triggered. I'm not like, oh, this reminds me of this, and No Worries reminds me of when I was an addict. Uh, Now I'm listening to it, and I'm hearing the positives. Yeah, I'm hearing the positives of it. No worries, I wish you well. And then I think about like, you know, people really do, people really did like that album. Mm -hmm. That album comes up a lot. The thing is for me, when I was in it, I thought I was getting good reviews, you know, I was da 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 da. But on the other side, my label and my publisher were like, uh, where's the money? Like it's not selling. And they kind of made me feel like, Crap. Imagine you put out a record, you're getting great feedback, you're getting great reviews, and then like three, four months after, your label's like, eh, not good enough, it's not selling. So that really just, I don't know, that did something to me. I don't know, it just really triggered me. Is that comment something that you have kind of held on to? Like, I know for me, there are some negative comments that have just kind of stuck with me uh, and that prevent me often from doing my best work or from feeling my best about my best work um, just because I have this thing stuck in my head of what somebody said years ago that's just kind of triggering me again, do you know what I mean? What they said didn't really bother me. It was the energy of how it made me feel completely worthless. And okay, to be honest, it's not like I'm a stranger to the feeling of feeling worthless, like depression does that to you. And it's the music industry. People tell you you're worthless all the time. But it was like... I guess it was the contrast of like, uh, and it really made me be like, well, what was I doing? You know, I'm away from home. I'm traveling all over the place. I'm getting pied in the face sometimes. It's just it's this roller coaster. There's some great times. I have a lot of money, but I'm going through all this. Uh, and then you tell me it's not selling, which was also confusing to me because as an artist, you see people playing the tracks. You So anyways, I, it wasn't what they said. It was just the feeling. And it was just kind of like, ugh. It made me feel dirty. Just made me feel like dirty is is the best way I can explain it. So the feeling stuck with me, not what they said. But I mean, I am the type of person that'll sit in bed sometimes and think about like a small comment somebody made fucking six years ago. What I've learned these days is like when people say stuff at you, especially as an artist or creative person, sometimes it's really vicious, right? Mm. But what I've learned these days is it really has nothing to do with you. Like, I spent so many years, and this was my part of the depression, um, kind of beating myself up. Like, oh, you shouldn't have shouldn't have fired that person. You should have tried harder with them. Mm. You, um, you should have sold more. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever, like, bullshit people have said to me in my journey, true or false, I would take it in, you know? Uh, if somebody said something ridiculous about me that I know isn't true, I would mm-hmm. still beat myself up about it. <laughs> Why do these people think that? Blah, blah, blah. Anyways, eventually, and like I said, 
this clarity kind of came in the last two years, I realized, yeah, it has nothing to do with you. You know what you've done. You know what your intentions are. Like, why am I beating myself up about something that's not even true? It, it seems like with artists, um, people, and I have yet to see people do this to other professions, and maybe I'm wrong, but like, for example, if you're a dentist, I haven't seen patients be like, oh, the dentist is doing this, and the, the dentist fired his secretary. And musicians, for some reason, like every little thing you do gets picked apart, and people are all up in the business, and they just make up stuff. So anyways, I'd, I'd let all those things, like, I'd beat myself up for those things, and now I'm just like, that has nothing to do with me. I'm not an asshole. I'm not, I'm trying to go through the things people have said. I'm not an asshole. I'm not a thief. Uh, I'm not a diva. I, I'm not a vicious, terrible person. Um, have I made mistakes? Yeah. Um, was it because I was struggling with depression? Yeah. Is that an excuse? No, but it is a valid reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I'm just like, none of it has nothing to do with me. It's not against the law to have mental struggles, okay? It's not against the law to have financial struggles. It's not against the law to play a song someone doesn't like in a set. It's not against the law to not uh, want to hang out with a cool crowd and kiss people's butts, you know what I'm saying? It's So I just had to, like, uh, free myself from that kind of prison of thinking I am responsible for everyone's mm-hmm. comments about me. So it sounds like you've reached, like, quite a nice point of clarity in your in your life. And I know that your album, which is coming out soon, is kind of a celebration of that, uh, getting over this recent difficult bout of depression. Um, so what, what sounds in this record attest to that? Or like, what's different about this album in comparison to your older work? For me, I can hear my growth. You know, my older works were more experimental, more loose, um, but everything was done Intentionally, it's not like I was just like making stuff and just putting it out. Some of the songs were very minimal because I was going through a minimal phase. But this, this new stuff, this new stuff is like uh, I can definitely hear and feel my growth, and I feel like other people will as well. And honestly, this when I hear the new stuff, it sounds like. Remember, I said like before, I was kind of operating at fifty percent because depression was taking the other fifty percent. When I hear this new music, it feels like. A, I can hear the difference. I can hear like the music without the depressing stuff behind it. And this will be the first stuff that I've made from kind of this really, really clear space and I can hear it. So um, it's it's different from the other stuff. There's like similarities, but there's just this, uh, this good vibe that comes through it. And I feel like people, I'm hoping people will uh, pick up on that. If you're enjoying AIR and you'd like to hear more stories like these ones, check out Bear Radio, Berlin's English-speaking podcasting community. AIR is proudly produced in partnership with Bear Radio, which is home to some other really incredible shows. A recent new discovery of mine is the JFKS Ideas podcast, 
which is founded and hosted by Professor Daniel Lazar and his students at the John F. Kennedy School in Berlin. Every month, Daniel and his students explore topics like identity, feminism, and politics, creating an open space for discussion and tackling tough issues. Another show that I've been enjoying digging into is Busy Being Black, hosted by Josh Rivers. Busy Being Black is an amazing catalog, a kind of oral history from the queer black voices of our time, everyone from poets to writers to academics and artists. One last recommendation for anyone who, like me, struggles to fall asleep at night, See When Sleep County is a lullaby podcast for adults, where every week, host Blake Farah reads a bedtime short story written by co-host Jazz Meyer. There are currently 24 podcasts and hundreds of episodes available for you, so head to bearradio.org to listen. So I know that depression is something you've been dealing with since childhood, and I'm wondering if it was something that you talked about very much growing up, like with your family or with your friends. I know for me personally, suffering from depression was something I did in silence for a really long time, uh, up until maybe the past couple of years. And I think I, if I had talked about it, I wouldn't have felt so alone. What was what was that like for you? Was it something that you talked about a lot? I I tried. I tried. I even did things to like calls for help, just kind of the family environment. I kind of grew up in a very, very strict military type family environment. So it's just kind of like not those things that you talk about. Whenever I did try to talk about it, people were like, oh, you're just being dramatic, drama. Uh, I was looking for attention. Uh, so yeah, I, I suffered a lot of si- in silence. Unfortunately, with the, the abuse that I went through happened so young that I kind of didn't know it was abuse until years later. Um, so by the time I, I came around to even talking about it, people were like, well, why didn't you say something five years ago or this, this, and that, you know? Hmm. I did try and speak about it, I think around 2016, before I kind of took a break and after I left the record deal I had then. And there there was like a positive, my fans were positive, but then there was a lot of like, whatever, I'm tired of your shit, get over it, so dramatic, blah, 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 be quiet, da-da-da. A lot of people that I considered to be colleagues were, like, making comments and subtweeting, like, you should suffer in silence, and, you know, and I'm just like, okay. And so I was like, forget y'all, I'm gonna just Hmm. take care of this on myself. We weren't in this space that we're in now where everyone is acknowledging mental health. Like, we just started doing this as a collective. But when I tried to talk about it, People were not trying to hear it. So I'm glad that um, it's in the space, but I don't know. Now I kind of do, like I said, I'm doing well, but now I, I understand handling it in silence. I'm speaking about it now because I got over it, but like, should I run into that depression, heavy depression again? Of course, I would probably mention it so people know what's going on, but I think I would keep it private because me trying to speak out really just kind of, uh, made it worse <laughs> but now everybody's like acknowledging it so I don't know I don't know yeah I, I suffered in silence as well I totally understand uh, what you're saying but here's the other thing I don't know about your experience but whenever I did bring it up it was weird to see how many people like th- th- some people's reaction to your depression like some people th- that were friends and followed me uh it's like it's weird that when people take offense are offended by 
you talking about your depression that has nothing to do with them. That was strange. Yeah, I found that it was like the most annoying thing was just when people try to give you advice that's like, do some exercise or like, <laughs> try try to just get out of whatever. I, yeah. So like you, I've realized that for me, it's most helpful to talk to people that are understanding of what I'm going through. Um, because I think it's quite difficult for people who don't understand or who haven't experienced that to like really get what you're going through and say the right thing. You know what I mean? Um, I think, yeah. And for me, hearing the wrong thing can be really detrimental. So it's kind of a protection thing again, I guess, of just like speaking to people I know are safe to speak to about it. Right. Yeah. Because the feeling that I felt after kind of like getting that kind of not backlash, but feedback later on down the line, I was like, you know what? That person didn't deserve to know that about me. Hmm. First of all, anyone who's a fan of me, like I, I love you already for like supporting what I do and being the person that I am. I want to share everything with people that I love, but you know, when you have like whatever thousand followers and I don't even have that many followers compared to what other people can have, but like what? 38 K on Facebook. When you put that information out to 38, thousand people and then you get some negative feedback it's kind of like wait a minute yeah that is something that you keep in-house you don't really know these people as much as you love them for being fans you don't really know these people Mm -hmm. so in the notes about your new album you were talking about this time that you mentioned earlier in 2012 when you were first coming up as an artist um and you wrote that although you did some cool things during that time the depression and anxiety started interfering with your plans and your business relationships uh so in in what ways were you talking about was it just this uh sort of tension between you and your label there wasn't that much tension with uh me and ninja tune to be honest and although i kind of was like angry with them we've actually made up i made amends with like everyone that i had problems with enemies as much as i could so it wasn't really tension when we were signed the tension was kind of after what i learned from therapy is that one of the habits that i would do is kind of surround myself with people that would treat me like abuse me because that was all i was used to unconsciously or subconsciously surround myself with people that kind of treated me like shit. Now I'm like, okay, no, I would, I'm not working with you. Like, oh, okay. Bad vibes. I'm out. The depression made me kind of even more introvert. For example, I never, I didn't really like to do interviews in. I think some people at the time were like, who does he think he is? I, I, I didn't really have, um, I didn't really have the speaking voice. I hadn't really found my speaking voice yet. Like this right now, me and you talking, this is actually my first podcast. This is the first time I'm addressing these things like this. This is the speaking voice that I've since found, you know? I didn't have the speaking voice then. And I wasn't used to people wanting to know about me. Like, honestly, I probably at the time felt like, you know what, I'm still this fuck, I'm still this fucking piece of shit. Like, and that's the depression. That's all the stuff people have said to me over the years just weighing down on me. Never mind you that I love myself. No matter what people say about me, I know I'm the one who knows me. I love myself. It's like I said, it's that weird process of I take in all the stuff that people say. I feel like a piece of shit for a while and then eventually I snap out of it. Something that my therapist and I talk about is the importance of kind of recognizing how your mental health issues start interfering or preventing you from like just living your life normally. Like speaking for myself, uh, I have anxiety, as I mentioned, and I suffer from OCD as well. And so... My worst days are when I can't get anything done because of these 
issues, you know. So I'm wondering if like if this kind of, you know, depression preventing you from doing things like interviews, was that sort of a wake up call for you in terms of getting help? I had been pursuing help for a long, long time. But when I got signed and I'm traveling, I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna. I literally like drank, partied the depression into the back room. And then it started coming out. And then I was like, okay, wait, do you need to like actually now get help? Mm-hmm. And so what happened next? Like I read that sort of around that time you were keeping a bit of a low profile, like you were doing a few small tours and you were opening for Flying Lotus. Um, but you wrote that the whole time you were feeling like pretty miserable. So I'm wondering if you can speak about that. Like it must have weighed, I guess, pretty heavily on you. Like I know that for me, it's really difficult when I'm struggling, even though everything else seems to be like totally fine or even really good. For me, those are those are the most difficult days. So what was that like for you? It was just kind of like a fake it till you make it type of deal. Like, yeah, you're feeling terrible. Just get through it. Yeah, you're touring. You're going on tour with Flylo. Yeah, you're you're going to the Ukraine and doing a video collab. Yeah, you're doing all these things. Ukraine was a little bit after, though. But yeah, you're doing these things. But it's like imagine doing all that with like a knife in your back and it hurts. But you got to keep that on the low because you don't want to bum anyone out. Look, Flylo, I love you. I appreciate it. But that tour was horrible for me. I had to fire a drummer who had his own agenda and it was just I had to do it I didn't want to but I had to do it the the staff and the crew and that tour was just vicious people treated me like shit aside from fly low and and a couple other people my motto is the best way to like get through it is to go through it listen there was a time for about two years I was the most depressed I've ever been I didn't leave the house I didn't have any money to eat because I just wouldn't move I had to cancel some tours and promoters were like, where's the money? My bank account, somebody took money from my bank account that I wasn't expecting. And I just was so depressed that I couldn't even get up and feed myself. And I had people saying that I'm stealing money and he's a thief and da, da, da. And I'm telling them like, no, hold on. I'm like really depressed right now. Let me just like, give me a second. But they're like, no, I'm going to destroy you. And almost verbatim, each one, we're going to we're gonna make sure nobody ever books you again. And your music career is over. And we're respected DJs. It was mostly DJs. Uh, we're going to end your career. And I have all this stuff on email. I'm just like, man, if I if I posted these emails, it's a wrap for you. In my absence, while I'm trying to like recover, I'm then getting all these other emails of, I heard what you did and da, da, da. And whenever I do go out or try to tour, occasionally you get that a person that's like, I'm hip, I'm cool. I know all the, will come around and make some comments as if I'm this or that. And it was brutal AF. The Flylo tour, all of it was brutal because I was super depressed and it seemed like people were just shitting on me hard. But as hard as it was, it was nothing compared to what I've already been through when I was a kid. So it's one of those moments where I was like, hey, I'm kind of glad that <laughs> I had a fucked up upbringing because it hurt, but it was like wearing a bulletproof vest. Okay, yeah, you just took 300 shots at my chest and it hurts, but I'm wearing a, a bulletproof vest. So I'm going to take it off heel and keep moving. So obviously a lot has been written about the life of a touring artist or a DJ being sort of this perfect storm of toxic elements for anybody that's struggling with their mental health. You know, long nights and this hectic schedule and jet lag and isolation and being away from home and, you know, having to put on this happy face for your shows and things like that. So I'm wondering, like, how did those things affect you? 
depression aside, we've already established I'm an introvert, but it is what it is. I can't turn on a fake smile. You can see it. I don't have that talent. And on tour, it's a very highly social place. People make connections and I don't, I, I'm not going to say it hurt me because I'm fine, but it was a struggle for me. It was annoying. There's the word. It was annoying for me because I'm like, man, everyone's backstage talking and laughing and inside I'm like, I don't relate to none of these motherfuckers. I imagined that backstage would be like people talking about music and theory and some really like passionate uh, conversations. And then what I found was like, oh yeah, backstage is people trying to get laid and repeating gossip like okay i could do this shit at home literally they can do it at home but if i was personable and mr extrovert i could jump in those conversations and the next thing i know i'm booked to play here or me not have being able to connect with people on that level i think that uh has has driven a wedge between like there's a lot of people that i've come across that say they don't like me i'm a jerk i'm this this and that a lot of promoters that are like mind you this is like two percent most of the people that I encounter, that we, we, we're fine. We get along great. But there's this percentage of people that just, they hate me so fucking much. And I'm just like, what did I even do to you? Yeah. I was reading this interview, uh, or I guess it was like an ex, uh, essay sort of thing about mental health and dance music. And Courtesy, who's a Danish producer... So she was talking about this one time where she was playing a gig, and after her set, the promoters were like you know, try to pressure her to do drugs and drink and she just didn't really want to and they were like, okay, next time you have to stay and like kind of giving her shit about it and she was like, I don't know what like act you think I'm selling but like I'm just here to play my music and talk to people. So I think that expectation of having this social side of yourself or a partying side of yourself can be really difficult for artists who are more introverted as, as you said. Yeah, I already did the drug thing, bro. Like, <laughs> for me, it's almost un unprofessional. When I go to an event, I'm going there to enjoy music, celebrate music, represent good music. I'm not going there thinking, oh, I'm going to get laid and, ooh, I'm going to get so high. Like, yeah, it's like those things are separate. If I want to get laid, whatever the term, I hate that term, I can go do that separately. I'm not going to go dig into my fan base for that there's this, a bunch of situations i remember one time a promoter picked me up they were doing drugs i didn't want to do the drugs so they made a comment there uh there were a whole bunch of girls around i wasn't entertaining the girls i mean i was talking to them but they obviously they felt like i should have been pursuing them strongly and then by the end of the event the promoters were just like making jokes cracking jokes and like what sucks is like in those situations after you leave the promoter's like yeah i booked blah 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 and he's a total he or she's a total bore you know and it's like man i just came to like play a good party i didn't know that i was gonna have to yada 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 and then i got to a point where i stopped doing artist dinners and for those who don't know artist dinners are when somebody books you they usually pay for dinner and drinks uh and with everybody on the lineup. And I stopped going to those things because, like I said, it's the music industry. People aren't friendly all the time. I don't need to go, like, after being on a 12-hour, whatever-hour flight, go sit at a table with a bunch of people that all think they're, like, God. And So I, I remember when I said I don't want to do artist dinners, that was a big problem for a lot of people. To be honest with you, I could care less. 
moving forward, I'll never. I just want to kind of deal with people who are professional. And I feel like artists should have that that right. I should be able to just come and play music and have a good time. I don't need to hang out with you after. I, it's not like I don't want to, but let's be honest, I don't know you. Were you ever worried that making this change in your lifestyle, like not partying anymore, not drinking anymore, were you ever worried that that change in lifestyle would impact your ability to write songs or make music? Like, was that a concern for you or did it prevent you from getting help sooner because you felt like you couldn't be creative without these sort of crutches? No, I never interfered. I I never needed a substance to get creative. So it was very easy to kind of step away from it. been talking about some pretty heavy things during this interview and for me one of the most difficult things about the sort of mental health issues that I struggle with is that sometimes it's just really scary for me to be in crisis and experiencing you know intrusive thoughts or being in a really bad bout of depression or feeling really anxious or having a panic attack Um, so I'm wondering if you were ever scared during these times of struggle and how did you cope with that I was uncomfortable and the way I coped with it is just, I just just went through it, just let it happen. But like I said, the last two years, I've gotten this clarity and now I'm able to separate myself from the thoughts. And I wish I could share whatever it was that helped me get there, but it was just a number of things that made it click. Um, not all your thoughts are your own. And now that I know myself better, if a thought slips in there that's like, oh, you're stupid, you're ugly, you're blah, 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 that's not me. I don't feel that way about myself. Uh, if an intrusive thought comes in, I'm just like, well, we're not going to pay attention to that. And it sounds stupid, it sounds cliche, but like, it, it, just ignore it. People would tell me that before. Oh, you're depressed, just ignore it. And I used to, inside, I used to be like, oh, I f- fuck you, thank you, that you're so brilliant. Um, but now I'm just like, yeah, just ignore it. An intrusive thought comes in, just ignore it. Uh, some people are criticizing you because they don't like your music or the way you you DJ or whatever they decide they don't like, just ignore it. It goes away. It, it's not like, it's, it's a non-motherfucking factor. Do you know what that, have you heard of that before? It's from... No. It's from uh, real, I think it's basketball wise. <laughs> so it's from some like really bad American reality TV show, but like these two like hot wives are fighting, and um, one of the wives slept with the other wife's husband when they were broken up. And one of the wives was like, How come you didn't tell me that you slept with my husband? And then the other one was like, to be honest, you were a non-motherfucking factor then. <laughs> and they start fighting. Um, and it's as ridiculous as where the quote came from. That quote I use a lot. Like, these people are non-factors. Intrusive thoughts like that, they're non-factors. Like, you're, you, if you have an intrusive thought, how do you deal with it? Do you just ignore it or how do you get through it? 
Um, well, I wish it was as easy for me as just ignore it. Uh, it's definitely not that easy for me. Um, but I guess lately what I'm working on with my therapist is just kind to trying to uh, dis- distinguish between what is a reality and what is just a thought. I guess it's sort of similar to what you were saying. But yeah, just trying to figure out like what what is something that I actually need to be worried about or concerned about or feeling something about and what is something that is just completely made up in my head and coming out at a bad time sort of thing. Well, yeah, so we are talking about similar things. Literally attack the intrusive thought. That's the step two. If ignoring it doesn't work, then literally attack it. Break it down. Analyze it from every angle. And that actually helped me a lot with like negative criticism. For example, I used to hate when you're DJing and you play a song that somebody doesn't like. One person. But for some reason, that one person feels like they need to let you know. Never mind, everybody else is enjoying it. And then that one person is like making faces at you or mouthing at you. Or they might come up to the booth or they might tell you after, like, I hated when you played that one song. Before, that used to bother me. When I attack it, I'm like, wait a minute, I love that song. That song's successful. That song's been around before all of us were born. Everybody was dancing. This one person doesn't like it, so what? And then when I attack it more, I'm like, what is your life that you can't survive a song? Songs are like three to ten minutes. What is your life that you can't get through that? And then the duality, I flip it. What do I do when I hear a song that I don't like? What's my reaction? You know what my reaction is? There's no reaction. I go get a glass of water or I have a talk. I chill out. Does that mean the DJ's shit? Does that mean I need to tell the DJ he's shit later? I don't give. It's a song. Like Another one's going to come right after it. And so for me, that duality exercise has helped me a lot. It's actually helped me in my music too. Yeah, I was going to ask like what, uh, you know, all of these therapy techniques, like is that changing the way that you perceive music or maybe impacting your creativity? For us, do you make music? No, no. <laughs> okay, so, no? Okay. Well, for, for music makers, there's things that you know that you do, right? And so with this, this next out, with this current album, this next album, the recording process was very interesting because first of all, I didn't, I started applying the therapy techniques to it automatically it took later for me to realize that I was applying these things to the music I would record a track and I would get it to where I like it but in the track I'm doing all the things that I know I can do what if I attack it as if I were someone else with a totally different style and so on this album maybe people will pick it up or not but on this album I'm really like I've been able to kind of change it's almost like it's a collaborative that sounds crazy because it's me and me I'm talking about, but it's like I'm collaborating with myself on this next album um, because it has a lot of the the style that people are, are familiar with, but uh, it also has like these new kind of, all these new ideas that I find when I flip it. Mm-hmm. So what would you say are like the biggest problems where mental health is concerned in the music industry? Like, what changes do you think need to be made in the industry in general in order to help and protect not only its artists, but also the people working behind the scenes who are suffering from mental health issues? Uh, I think we're on the right path already. Like we're, we, we acknowledged it, right? Which is the first step. I think labels and all this stuff, instead of kind of pushing away from artists when they say like they're having a bad time, maybe invest in their recovery. 
because you'll get an even better artist out of that after. Are you hopeful for the future of the music industry in that respect? Like, I think this pandemic time has maybe been a necessary little break for a lot of people. Like, I know quite a few artists who were really suffering from burnout without realizing it and sort of relishing in this time off because they didn't have to actually take a break in order to take a break. So, yeah, what are your thoughts on the future of mental health in the music industry? I think it's good. The fact that we're all talking about it now, I think it's good. How people are going to behave when we all come out of lockdown, I have no idea. But as far as like, it's good to know that a good percentage of people are going to come out of this having learned more. Mm. So, so what about at a more personal level for yourself? Like what advice would you give to someone who's an artist who's struggling with their mental health? Go through it. Let it run its course and it's probably going to suck. Um, go through it. I would say if you're suicidal, don't commit suicide. I'm a suicide survivor. Just think about like your, your goal. Like you want to be an artist, right? Or a DJ or, you know, you want to, you want to make it with your passions. There's more than one way to go about it. So like if you're experiencing resistance during that path and it's making you feel like crap, then figure out something else, but don't like beat yourself up over it, you know? Mm-hmm. I just want to say <laughs> for people that are listening, my advice would be to go to therapy because it has been a very life-changing thing for me. Um, and I think a lot of people will benefit from it. It's just good to have someone to talk to, I think. Therapy's great, actually. How long have you been? It's been, God, almost three years now. Same, same, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so what about for yourself? Are you hopeful for this path that you're on? Or where do you hope this path is going to lead you in the future? My goal in the future is just to be happy and make music. That's always been my goal, even when I was like a kid. Like, just make music and be happy and live a good life, you know? Like, I don't care to be, I'm not trying to be famous. I'm not trying to be lord of the, you know, lord of the dance. Uh I don't want to be praised and all this stuff. Like, I'm just trying to make music and chill. So however that translates, if it's me making music uh, and releasing it on Bandcamp, okay, cool. I just want to have a good life. I've seen the glitz and the glamour. It's all right, but it is smoke and mirrors. And at the end of the day, I just want to express my creativity, really connect with good people. No more am I going to pressure myself to be like, oh, you got to you got to be big and you got to get this many followers and you got to make sure you get this much likes and no way. That you never had a love like this before. That you never had a love like this before. That you never had a love like this before. That you never had a love like this before. That you never had a love like this before. That you never had a love like this before. That you never had a love like this before. That you never had a love like this before. That you never had a love like this before. That you never had a love like this before. That you never had a love like this before. That you never had a love like this before. That you never had a love. You've been listening to producer and vocalist Seven Davis Jr. for Air Podcast. We'll be back on the last Wednesday of every month with another episode, so please join us again in March, and be sure to follow at underscore air podcast on Instagram for updates. Thanks for listening. Yeah.